Welcome to the final episode of the three-part program as I interview Brad and his struggles with porn addiction, drug abuse, trauma, self-hate, near homicidal and suicidal thoughts. This part wraps up his full deliverance and re-emergence in the marketplace as a father, as a leader, and as a functional husband. And it shares the inspirational story of how he made it from where he was to where he is now. If you have not listened to part one and two, please go listen to those two parts. It's going to blow your mind the things this guy went through. Welcome to the Millennial Man Podcast. This is the Millennial Man Podcast, where author of the book, Millennial Man, and host Adrian Young pulls back the curtain on standards for real men in the 21st century. And now here's your host, Adrian Young. This segment of the Millennial Man Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Millennial Man, Standards for Real Men in the 21st Century. Go pick up a copy at millennialmanbook.com or on Amazon, Millennial Man or Millennial Man by Adrian D. Young. Millennial Man, Standards for Real Men in the 21st Century. So we're back with the Millennial Man podcast with your brother here, Adrian, and I am accompanied by my good brother, Mr. Brad. And for obvious reasons, we're not going to disclose his, his entire name, but Mr. Brad's story um, is riveting. It goes and it meanders through the effects and challenges of life that a lot of us uh, face. You know how, you know, we say, you know, uh, my life is this and my life is that. And um, Jesus would just look down at us on the cross and said, you know, to us, uh, have you ever been hung on a cross before? Have you ever been nailed and whipped and beaten and, 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 and you know, done so much injustice and left for dead? You know, that that's what Jesus would say. But uh, it, it, on, on a normal level, you look at Brad's circumstances and, and you may be experiencing a divorce, uh, a relationship issue, um, you know, a childhood um, past that, you know, caused so much, you know, uh, dysfunction. And now you're facing life, whether it's the criminal justice system, a bad record, you know, you're making mistakes. And, and and you're wondering, God, why me? Brad's story culminates all of that. He's gone through the drugs, the addiction. We've revisited the porn thing so much. And I believe that is a key aspect of this conversation because it does so much for us men to really solidify. It it, it can open up dysfunction. It solidifies dysfunction and it ratchets up dysfunction to a point where it spans generations. And now as we're wrapping, you know, we're going to be talking about his son, his relationship with his son, his relationship with his father and where he's at in his life today. And um, hey, by no mean order, this man has become an honorable um, man in, in, in society. He's so, uh, so much more productive, leading in, in his in his career path. And, um, you know, and hey, one of the things too we can mention you know, Brad's a part of our 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 man cave prayer group, and yes, he is um, one of those people who we just love to hear from him. And so this interview here has really just brought everything together. So as he's wrapping up, we're going to talk a little bit about 
his son, his experience as a father, his experience as a son, you know, his experience, you know, uh, you know, getting into an environment uh, where men are and men, you know, come together and lock arms in prayer. And furthermore, you know, he has also um, purchased the Millennial Man book. And I would like to know, get some feedback, you know, as a lot of us out here are, you know, challenged with many things, your biggest question mark is, so what what would I do from here? What can I do from here? And, and and I'm sure Brad can shed some light on you know what 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 we can do from here, um, so that many people will get some answers to their questions. Take it away, brother. Absolutely, brother man. Uh, yeah, now we're getting to the best part. We're getting to the healing. Uh, we're getting to the healing. So, unbeknownst to me, I had had this deep wound from my childhood, and I had stacked. Things and techniques onto it that were not healthy to try and cope with it. And God, unbeknownst to me, was removing all of those things, the, the pornography, the drugs, the self-hatred, the all of it. He was removing it, digging past all the junk that I had stacked up to get to that wound so that he could heal it at its source. And I didn't know that. But to, see... To remove those things I stacked on, I had to relive them, and I had to experience them again, and I had to go back through the ringer uh, to get to where I inevitably have wound up, which is, you know, here, I guess, <laughs> is happy. Um, so, I, uh, like I said, I had I had moved in with, with my mom, and um, I did not like her at all. <laughs> um but I, I faked it a lot. And then one night um, I brought up what had happened uh, in my youth. And this was this was after uh, my kids had, had been taken from me uh, in court. I brought up what had happened in my youth uh, with, with, you know, my family. And she handled it much differently. And she shared her story. And she shared her struggles with trying to outlive the family name after her brother's conviction and having experienced all of that as a child and wondering, is there something innately evil in my very DNA? And so I found out that my mom was also addicted to asking herself, am I the hero or the villain? And that my mom was also experiencing self-loathing. Like I was. And I couldn't help people around me whenever I was in that mood. I I had to quit being a youth minister because I got so depressed. And so my secret struggle was so real. It was affecting my fake face, my facade, my mask. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't help people find happiness. I couldn't do it for myself. So I had to understand where she was coming from and I explained I talked to my mom about the the pornography addiction and she explained that in my dad's youth he struggled with the same thing and so I understood then this is a generational thing this is not just me and it's not just her but we're struggling the same way independently of each other we're struggling in silence and i won't talk to her about it because i don't see women the same 
so, you know, that perpetuated. But by the time I got out of jail, things were changing. Things were different. God was making some movements. And I was telling him, keep, keep going. I'm serious. I'm humble. And uh, whenever my kids left, though, whenever my, um, my ex-wife had taken my kids, I called, uh, well, I, 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 I called on God that night. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I came home from court and went straight to my room. And I called on God. And I said, God, I just got to be honest with you. I'm not trying to tempt you. And I'm not pushing you. But if I don't actually feel like there's a plan for this, if there's no reason for all of this, then in three days' time, I'm putting a bullet in my head. And two months before this, whenever my kids were with me and I was feeling great, my father-in-law, or well, my stepfather, who no one really got along with, had told me that, he had planned on doing the same, that he had planned on putting a bullet in his own head. And I, you got to understand, he's a Marine. So, you know, you, you don't just come at him with the lovey-dovey. So I said, oh, so that's it? That's it? You're done? I said, the great story of you ends right here. You're just going to put a 37-cent piece of lead in it and just put a period on the end of the sentence. I said, is that really where you want the story to end? disconnected from your kids alone up here i said that's not where you want this to end i said get up what are you doing i said you gotta fight and the only reason i had that spirit was because he showed that to me that the first night that they came to take the kids and we told them no before we went to court um he told me you know i started crying on 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 the porch and he said they he said don't cry everyone else had went inside when the cops showed up everyone else was nervous he stayed by my side he was also an outcast of his family he was also an other a black sheep and so i related to him on that note already but he um he stayed by my side and whenever i started crying he said don't you dare cry in front of them they don't deserve to see your weaknesses and that hit me and i said i'm going to i'm going to be a warrior i mean i don't know what happened i don't know how it did it but it did i i i had to be a warrior and so whenever he mentioned that he was going to kill himself i had to be a warrior and uh i told god 3 days and i'm putting a bullet in my head and i'm done i'm sorry i i i failed you i know there's a reason I can't do it. You pinned the wrong guy. And uh, the third day came. I, I mean, my days were just voids. There was nothing. I mean, there was no day, no night. There was just moments of time that passed very slowly and painfully. And uh, the third day came. And I sat up knowing that that night, I was going to go eat some lead. And um, my f- stepfather opens the door to my room. And he looks in. And he says, you've been in here for three days without eating or sleeping. So that's it. That's where the story of Brad ends. Your kids are going to read that you tried to get them back. And you were disconnected from them. And you gave up and failed. Is that how you want the story to end? And I said, you son of a gun. 
<laughs> I said, you son of a gun. And I got up. And he said, you need to find something to do. Man, you got to stay busy. I got a job. Well, I got a job working at the same restaurant I was working at when my ex-wife stabbed my TV. So now... I feel like my work ethic is broken because my kids are gone. I feel like I'm the villain of my own story. I've been tasked, though, with a man I admire, a role model, a man I look up to. I've been tasked with this idea of stop getting mad at you. Get mad at this. Get mad at this situation. Get mad that it thought it could stand in front of you and God and stop you. Get mad at that. Get that righteous anger. It's time to go into the church with the cat of nine tails and flip some bedding tables. It's time to get mad. And I did. No longer did I hate that man who was in the mirror. Every time those thoughts came up, and this is a very important part for men who are struggling with this, okay? Whenever you have those moments of self-doubt, self-hatred, Learn that the only way to stop a behavior is to flag it so that you can identify it when it's coming, know it when it's happening, and dismiss it appropriately. That's the biggest thing. So whenever uh, whenever I would feel those moments of absolute hatred coming, I would say, that's all right. That cat in the mirror, he's a work in progress. He's going to be okay. He's going to be all right. I'm not done yet. You hate me now? Keep watching Reflection. It's going to get a lot different. And and I developed this. And it was not. You got to understand. I knew God sent that man into my room to say those exact same words to me. And I had thought maybe I saved his life. Maybe that's it for me. And then. Maybe that was my purpose. You know, I gave him someone to vent to. I got him talking about God again. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm done and I can go home now and rest. And uh, no, <laughs> no, God used those exact same words. And, and he used someone, a man who I looked up to, someone he knew it couldn't have been anyone else. I had to go to my mom's. She had to bear her heart and I had to see her pain because that's where my real reflection was, was in her pain. And I had to see that and I had to understand this is generational. So now this responsibility is a lot different. Now it's up to me to change this. It's up to me to rewrite this and to say, no, we will no longer be these people in chains. We will no longer be these people who cut out half of the world's populace or push people away because they're afraid to love. We're no longer going to be those people who think that the worst of people represents all of people. That's not going to happen anymore. I'm going to make sure. I have to. My kids need me. My kids need me. And that was, I kept saying that, man. I kept, that, that was the one thing. You got to find, if you can't do it for yourself, if you can't love yourself right now, find someone who loves you and love them more than anything. And if you love them, then you will learn to look at you through their eyes. Because when you hate yourself, you hate that which those you love, love. And that is the truth. So I started doing these deep dives, started realizing I, I, I can be wrong, <laughs> okay? I can't 
cut my own path. Um, I have to change this. So I started asking, what is a role model? You know, because here's this guy that I look up to, my, my, my stepfather, but he has all these horrible negative traits. So what do I do? And that's what we were talking about earlier. I trim the fat. I trim the fat. I don't like this trait. I'm not going to admire that. I'm not going to look up to that part. Whenever I see him, I'm going to see the things that I like, and that's what I'm going to pull from him. And the rest of it, I'm going to cut to the side. And if this is the Brad I want to be, if this is the Brad I aspire to be, that I have to understand the only thing stopping me from being that Brad is me. For two reasons. One, I put my will above God the majority of my life. And it shows in the pain that I experienced. And two, I was not able to identify where my pain was. I did not know that I was hurting when I became addicted to porn. I thought that I was lesser and that I was more of an animal than a human. And so I was giving into these instincts. I did not value myself as a human being. As much as I say, and I know I've said it a lot throughout the podcast that I, you know, I, I, I erased half of existence. I wanted to erase myself more, but suddenly, suddenly something was different. Suddenly there was a new wind beneath my sails and God was saying, I'm here and I've always been here. Just look up, just ask, just put your hands out. And I did. And I, I, I dove straight into the word. I started reading. I started listening again. And it was just like in high school, whenever I had pulled away and I had found to live for my dad, it was just like that exact moment. But it was different this time because I did not have these false expectations. And I understood I had to go back, relive this pain and put a, put the nail in the coffin for this addiction that I have. And I have to understand that this thing is not, it's not just a behavior. It's changing my brain. It's changing how I look at the world. So I had to face that. I had to face the pain my mom went through and um, I had to meet her at my worst to understand her at her worst and things began to change man oh my lord i i just said all right god i'm leaving it to you i'm gonna read your word i'm gonna surround myself with like-minded people i'm gonna do what you say and i'm gonna try to be better i'm gonna try to be different and all of a sudden things started to open up a day was a, it, it wasn't just morning. It was a day. It was a beautiful moment in time. And all of a sudden, every time I saw that man in the mirror, I stopped asking if he was perfect yet. And I learned to ask if he's finished under construction. And one of the most important things I've realized since then, I would say even, is that there is a, I believe, I may be wrong, but I believe that there is a revelation that becomes all people before they pass from this world. Mm-hmm. And I think that that revelation is that we really have no idea what any of this means. You know, we have all of the answers, but right before you go, right before you go, whenever it doesn't matter, what you said to Vicky in third grade, or what you did to so-and-so, right before you go, whenever all you have to do is inhale and exhale it out to God, I think people come to the conclusion 
that all of these things they were stressed about didn't matter. Ultimately, it didn't matter. So, uh, <laughs> I, I I tell you, I had to I, I had to go to my mom's house. I had to go to the job that I was working at. Whenever my family fell apart for the second time, I had to relive those pains. I had to confront my brothers who had since then moved into the same exact house. They all went back to my mom's house. Everyone's lives converged right back at the source of the pain. And my brothers were able to tell me, it happened to me too. And I was scared to say anything. It happened to me too, and I never knew you were hurting. And I've been hurting for so long, and I didn't know. I didn't know that I wasn't alone. We have to talk to each other, Adrian. We have to have things like the man cave. We have to communicate on that level. And we have to communicate our deepest fears and anxieties and our greatest hopes and aspirations. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that the people we aspire to be, we will never fully be them until we're gone. Mm -hmm. The people we aspire to be are a legacy. It's not a person. It's a legacy. It's something that lasts after you. And so now <laughs> I'm here realizing that after all of this pain, all I really had to do from the beginning was stop leaning on God for a season. Mm -hmm. Stop leaning on him until things got better and understand that I had to lean full tilt. Mm -hmm. I've got to put it all to God. And um, that's that's what I've uh, what I've been trying to do lately. Um, so what ended up happening was, uh, I, I four months after these suicide, uh, you know, event, um, I'm working two jobs. I'm, I'm not only have I started back at the restaurant and proven to myself that my work ethic is good. I've become their top cook and got a job as a top cook at another mm -hmm. restaurant. That's how much devotion I had to it. Whereas before I couldn't hold down a job. Now I'm the top cook on a line. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, and so I'm in, I'm in the place I was where it broke down. I've healed the relationship with my mom. I've understood that I've been looking for a villain and I've painted people as a villain, but there are, there are not, really villains there's not really someone to blame there's not and it doesn't have to be i spent so long searching for who god wanted me to put the blame on that i didn't realize he wanted me to leave it at the altar mm. that i don't have to make sense of the pain i just gotta let it go it doesn't have to make sense things hurt sometimes and there's sometimes it doesn't make sense and that's where i was but it, it did make sense, though. Whenever it was all done, I could see. I could see what happened. I could see the paths that were laid out before me, the paths that I followed. And, and in, in conclusion, I'll say this. So in reading, in reading your book, in reading The Millennial Man, I realized exactly some of the steps that I took uh, that you've touched on the foundation of who you want to be, the goals that you aspire to be, surrounding yourself by people that are like-minded, diving into the word, admitting that you could be wrong. All of those qualities in the book, I was like, man, this was, did Adrian jump in my head for a minute to write this book? I mean, this is crazy. And uh, it's all, but it's all true though. You have to admit you're, you're not right all the time. You can't be. You're never going to be the person you aspire to be because that person's perfect and there was only one perfect person. 
But you're always going to be the person you're always going to be. You're always going to do what you were always going to do. And who you're going to be is always who you're going to be. Your destiny is bigger than you. God's calling on my life was bigger than my pain. It was bigger than my pain. As much as it hurt, God's calling on my life and his love for me was so much bigger that whenever I finally tried to look at myself through his eyes, it eclipsed it all. And that's exactly it's exactly the type of thing that I wish more young men knew nowadays. That the pain, the struggles, they'll all reach conclusion. It all comes to a conclusion at some point. Stop trying to make sense of burdens and realize you just got to let them go. You can't reason all of it out. Man, this is incredible. I believe we could be sitting here um, on part two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, um, just taking all of this in. This is some incredible, incredible uh, revelation that really helps um, to help other people to put their life into perspective. It, it all is not lost. Um, and, and as we're closing, I, I just wanted to touch a little bit on dad, you know, uh, and uh, and your son, you yeah. know, in, in, in the fact that everything that has happened has culminated to this point and you're now a functional um, man in society. Uh, you're no longer uh, dealing with some of the issues uh, that you used to deal with before. Um, you're a team lead in one of the largest companies uh, in the United States. And um, you are doing so much great things and making such a great impact in the marketplace. And God is trusting you with so much more responsibilities. Now you have custody of your son. Uh, you know, you're, you're remarried and you're living, uh, you're, you're living the dream. The vision is coming together. And, um, and it's so amazing uh, how all things wind up to launch right back at God's feet. You know, someone may ask, what is my life coming to, and I guess in your story, as you're going to close um, with 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 these final nuggets, it's coming right back to God. Yeah, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> always, always, brother. That's always the way it is. So, um, I I started to say this before, but I got sidetracked. Sorry. Um, yeah, I four months after the suicide incident, I'm working two jobs. Um. And I get a call. So now I've not only come to personal peace, I've understood that pornography was a problem and and an addiction, and I've begun to alter that. Now, whenever I have certain thoughts, I have flags, things that come up, and they say, this is one of those thoughts. And I say, oh, now I'm going to think of this. Now I'm going to think of that. And I'm conditioning my thought Mm -hmm. process this way Mm -hmm. um, and realizing that uh, it's not your soul that controls your thoughts it's your body. It's your body that controls your thoughts, your essence, your your emotions. That's that's your soul. But your body can. So this thing is just a glove that we're wearing uh, to sense the physical world around us. Um, but <laughs> any anyway, so I, I get a call from my ex four months after, and um, she says your son for four months straight has been throwing a temper tantrum and screaming every night that he wants to go live with dad. And she couldn't do it anymore. She said, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. With the way he is, he just wants you. 
he's crying all the time and screaming and yelling, you have to come get him. So I did. And so we signed papers and uh, we split custody completely. Um, and I, I still get visitations uh, with my daughter who stays with her full time. Uh, and my son stays with me full time now, but I'm still, you know, I've got my own goals that I'm working up and towards. But um, he was struggling independent of me, but we were struggling in unison because he was hurting for me at the same time that I was hurting for him. His heart in Florida was breaking just as much as mine was in Mississippi. And I realized the cycle was beginning to repeat. And so I said, yeah, I'll be there tonight. And I went and I got him. And um, he's been with me ever since. And, and, and I, we found out, you know, since then that he's had some health issues. Um, but, I mean, he's told me stories of having his face held under toilet water whenever he wet the bed. I mean, he's told me stories of abuse that mirror things that I've experienced uh, and whenever I'm talking about my childhood, I mean, it's not just, uh, you know, it's it's like you walk through the house and you knock a stack of clean clothes over that was set up on, on the couch and you're getting your shoulder pulled out of socket so you can get jerked up and hit. Um, and that was just normal. That was that was OK. We didn't even know that that wasn't a thing in most families. Um, but he was he was going through things that mirrored the exact same thing. And I said, no, not this time i feel the weight of this responsibility and i'm gonna lift it i'm gonna lift it so i i am i am I'm, I've, I've taken him in I've, I've gotten you know i've gotten him uh the medical help that he needs he's got a f- healthy brain he was having seizure activity um which was scary but um now he has me and we've moved back in with my father who i'm taking care of mm-hmm. um full time again and I have both of them but they are so in love and I am so in love with them and then God just kept blessing me I said all right well God uh thank you obviously you know I have my son in my life now I have I have a reason that I can touch to stay alive mm. I, there's a reason that I can hug and kiss good night to stay alive now mm. So now I'm more than a warrior. I'm a general. Mm -hmm. I'm ready, you know, and uh, that was but it was understanding that I had to get God. I had to get on God's side. Mm -hmm. I had to put his will above mine. So um, I get my son back. I I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm back with my father. Uh, My children uh, are are in very close proximity. I see them all the time now. And I tell God, uh, you know, really sucks that, uh, you know, I just wasn't cut out for marriage. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, because I, I, I figured I'm tainted goods, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen things that, you know, people shouldn't. I You know, there's no way that I could ever love someone because I can't love myself. Mm-hmm. And um, then <laughs> I uh, I started dating around because that's what you do whenever you're in denial. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a message from one of the, just one of these random profile accounts that I had created, and um, it was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. 
And the entire time she and I were talking for the first uh, three weeks we were talking before we went on a date, I'm screaming to myself, no, 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 no. Don't tear down those walls. Don't do it. And I didn't have to. Those walls came crumbling down. I met her and she said, I picked her up. It was um, Sunday afternoon. And she goes, thank you for picking me up. Uh, Just want to let you know we're going to church. And I said, all right, I'm good. So now (laughs) I'm telling God I'm not going to have a wife. And God's saying, no, I'll do you one better. You're going to have an amazing, beautiful partner who will usher you back into my presence fully. And I have been trying ever since. I don't know. I I don't know that I can say that I'm in love with myself or whatever the case may be. And I am a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It's okay that I'm not the Brad I aspired to be because I'm the Brad I was always going to be. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where God wants me. And I accept that now. And so I'm not fighting those things. I'm ushering my will to God. I'm reading his word and I'm taking guidance from him and from people like you and from the other wonderful guys in the the man cave prayer group who have all struggled in their own way and have all the one thing that universally unifies all of us in the prayer group is pain. It's pain. It's the struggle. We say it all the time. Thank God for the struggle that he gave me. Um, and 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 I can I can talk to them now and and I can I can say things that I'm afraid to say out you know uh, around other people and um, it's helping me really to share the stories because God told me that if I was going through this to save lives or asked me if I was going through this to save lives if I would and I said yes but without telling the story I'm not. So whenever I read your book, whenever uh, I joined the Man Cave Prayer Group, and and I mean it was, it's hard to explain it so that the readers can under or that the listeners can understand this. Um, it, like we went to a job together, and then started praying, and are now best friends. That's like, I don't know how else to word this, but that's how it happened. I mean, but it was like, it was like God said, hey. You know all those those loose ends that you couldn't figure out why they were in your life? This, this is the other end of that knot. And we were like, oh, okay, <laughs> here we are. So once I, man, once I read the book and it was about the pitfalls to avoid and the foundation to build and how to find what God's calling on your life is – I said, this is it. I resonate with it. I, I'm telling everyone out there who is listening, you got to pick up a copy of his book. I mean, the Millennial Man podcast. It's it's awesome. It's it's. I'm telling you now, you will only benefit from this. These teachings are true, and they're t- they're tried over time. I mean, these are these are not new concepts, but they're new to a lot of us as millennial men because these are not in the public square. We don't talk about it, but I ultimately learned that I had to admit whenever I was wrong. I had to understand that my heroes were also flawed. And I had to understand that my idea of me could never be perfect. It can only ever be what it's going to be. Because I'm only going to do what I've always been going to do. (laughs) 
Amen. On that note, uh, I'm so I'm so blown away by this experience. You know, just communicating with uh, my brother Brad. Brad is a very faithful member of the uh, the Man Cave Prayer Group, which is an underground movement that we've been have <laughs> uh, we've been having. Um, we have been doing this every Sunday for uh, a couple years now. And um, it's it's incredible to see how God can really move through the simplest of things. And it, it also reinforces the importance of how we show up in the marketplace. A lot of us, we try to put on a facade, uh, you know, this is my work face. This is my home face. This is the face when I'm, I'm all by myself. And the truth of the matter is, while, you know, it's okay to have different moments where we relax and we chill out, you cannot change who you are or what you're going through just because, you know, you go into the marketplace or, you know, you show up in another zip code. It will haunt you down till the very last day. And it's at certain points of pressure and breaking that you will see the worst or the best begin to manifest. Unfortunately, you know, for Brad, his life has evolved into a roller coaster, um, you know, type situation that really has him at a point in his life now where he's seeing uh, what God is capable of doing. So if you're listening to this particular podcast, um, please uh, do yourself a favor and um, stop fighting. Stop fighting the feeling of submitting to the hand of God in in your life. The, the, the real fact of the matter is that eventually it will break you. Uh, you can't uh, do this on your own. If by any chance you have or have been listening to this podcast, if you if you if you'd like, you know, re-listen um, to these two episodes, the part one and part two that we have um, we have done, and just really um, th- just recognize that, as Brad said, realize that even your very heroes are not perfect. It, it is okay to cut the fat. You know, you can really uh, look at someone's life and take the things that you see that are able are to be workable in your life. That's a good place to start and recognize that you are not perfect. You're not this place of becoming a man walking in his God-given mission and vision. The idea is not to uh, become perfect. Uh, the idea is to pursuing perfection. And while being on that path, then everything will begin to come together. Uh, if you have not already picked up a copy of the Millennial Man book, please, you know, visit um, uh, Amazon, you know, just type in Millennial Man um, book and you'll see it on there, Standards for Real Man in the 21st Century. Or you can, you know, check out my website. The website is in, is in the description below in the podcast notes. Hey, do us a favor, um, talk about, you know, this to your friends, share it, um, you know, put comments and, and let us know how you feel about this. How has this blessed you? Reach out to us. Uh, we are so excited, you know, to hear from you. And um, without any shadow of a doubt, this truly blessed me. And I know it blessed a lot of you. Brad, thank you so much for um, allowing uh, for the full flow 
of all the events that came together to really culminate on this podcast. I'm so excited. You don't know it yet, but I'm excited to read your book when it comes out <laughs> because this is book worthy. And 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 ladies and gentlemen, uh, specifically guys, uh, this is not the first time. This is not the last time you will hear Brad's voice. And I'll leave it right at that. So <laughs> hey, uh, this is the Millennial Man Podcast with yours truly, Adrian Young. I hear uh, I'm here with my my good friend and brother, Brother Brad. Hey, please listen to this podcast again to receive all the substance that it had within it. Oh my goodness, I, I this was so good to me because it showed me that deliverance is real and it doesn't have to look like what we think it has to look like. Uh, God is so able and willing to bless us if we're willing to receive that blessing. Hey, you take care. God bless you and go be the man that God has called you to be. And remember, we grow better together. Bye-bye. If you are a listener of the Millennial Man podcast, it means that you are looking for great content as a 21st century man or for a 21st century man in your life. That being said, that says a lot about you and who you are and what your expectations of what great men are supposed to be in the 21st century. The reality is we're in great and turbulent times and everything that we do now will impact how our men show up for life in the next couple of decades. And so I've written this book, Millennial Man. It is a easy read and powerful resource for every man in the 21st century. Millennial Man is an easy read and a powerful resource for every man preparing for a brighter future. It is packed with skill sets and timeless life principles that could revolutionize how you look at yourself as a man of the 21st century. I believe every man in your circle should have one of these books, especially if you are a worried parent wanting for your son to get back on track. Grab your copy today at millennialmanbook.com or just swing over to Amazon. And if you do buy it on Amazon, when you're finished reading, please go back and drop a review so that the world can see how powerful this resource is. Hey, thank you so much for your support and continue to push forward as a man in the 21st century as you're building your your God-given mission and vision. God bless you. Bye-bye.